You are joining the Authentic Mama podcast with Amy Mulder, and I just want to let you know today we're talking about oopses, faux pas, mistakes, problems, times when you have actually uttered the word don't. It is time to talk about mistakes. It's not that long of a podcast, so we're not going to talk about all my mistakes, but if you are needing to be lifted up because you've made an oops, stay tuned. It's time to talk about oops, our mistakes here on the Authentic Mama podcast. I am Amy Mulder here just living and laughing about my mistakes as a mother. And so I just want to welcome you. So if you have made mistakes, I just want you to feel the red carpet of love coming at you because mistakes are part of being a mom. So when I found out I was pregnant... I was completely astonished, happy, but so I I checked out a bunch of books. I asked mothers that I thought were, you know, good mothers. I said, what do I need to be reading? And I had read so much by the time my oldest 14-year-old Ford was born. I had read so many parenting books and so many things. Just, I am going to, you know, kick motherhood's butt. I am going to know exactly what to do. And so Devin and I were talking and we have this precious baby and we want to make sure we do not say no in front of him because we don't want his first words to be no. We've been around a couple of toddlers and they just go, no, no, no. And we in our delusion as being new parents just thought we're going to be able to do this. We won't say no around him. And if he does something that's not good, we'll go, uh-oh, uh-oh. And, you know, he'll, he will stop, which actually did work. But what did not work was him not saying no. Because the first time he was around, I don't know, the world or like another child, <laughs> he came back saying no. And I remember looking over at Devin and just realizing, uh-oh, Some books we're reading are good, but it doesn't mean that it's going to go the way we think it's supposed to go, ever. The other hilarious mistake. So I had this brilliant idea. I think some well-intentioned person said to me, why don't you get the book Potty Train in One Day? I said, this is for me. I mean... What are all these people stressing about? We can just read this book and potty train in one day. So I studied like it was an exam and Ford was probably close to three. He was waking up dry. So he was probably physically ready. Life would be so much better if the kid would just go to the potty. I knew he was physically able and he just was choosing not to. So I get ready and I call my mom and I say, mom, I need you to help me this day because we are going to train Ford to go in the potty in one day. I mean, she was like, okay, here we go. And to her credit, she didn't say, um, okay, I'm sure that's really going to happen. So I read this book and I got all my supplies and they were a baby doll that wets candies and a bunch of Gatorade and Sprite, any juice, any water, like we were going to load the boy up. And so (laughs) we were in our house and Ford's in underwear, not the diaper. He's in underwear because that's what the book said, you know, that they need to feel that they're wet or dirty or whatever. 
we made the baby that wets it with the bottle. And when the baby went in the potty, we went, yay, and we threw a party, and the baby got to call whoever. And I had some aunt and uncles pretend that they were Lightning McQueen. And so Ford drank all the juice and all the Gatorade, and he went in the potty, and we went, yay, Ford, you went in the potty. And then we called Lightning McQueen. Like, it was going so well. I was like, I have got this down. <laughs> Cut to a couple hours later. Ford's drinking all the drinks. And I, I go, where's Ford? And he is peeing in the corner of my house. <laughs> Thank you, potty training one day. I am not a fan. <laughs> I can't believe I actually had the audacity to think that would work. But I also can't believe that I like involved the world in my journey so that when it didn't work out, everybody would know. And the other thing that I have made complete mistakes on our, is our discipline. You know, as somebody that was a former teacher, I just thought, eh, I'm a pastor now, so I'm around kids. I really enjoy children. And they usually, you know, when you're calm and you kind of talk to them in a school or church setting, they, they usually can calm down. And when I've had some rowdy classes, I had different strategies, but you know, usually my classes were completely in. So I read this book, which I do recommend if you have new kiddos. I don't know if you can like go back in time if your kids are older. It did. I'm looking at rereading it, but this book is Love and Logic, and it's about kind of having natural consequences for discipline. Two minutes, however many years old you were is how many minutes you sat in the chair. I was very consistent. I was calm with him when he was a toddler and um, he was always just very wounded that he got put in the chair. So it really worked out. He was good. I looked like a great parent because I was correcting my child in a very calm, orderly fashion. Then the Lord gave us Cooper David Mulder, who is a different sort of child. So <laughs> Cooper basically is a tornado. Our nickname for him was Captain Destructo. And basically from the time he could move, if anything was in a container, Cooper thought that was really offensive and he was going to make sure it was dumped out onto the floor. And by the time Cooper came around and I had a baby Tucker and I had these three boys four and under, something clicked in my head. One day these boys are going to be so much bigger than me. I am going to be the smallest in my family, height-wise and strength-wise, probably. They're going to be big men. I, I need to win the battles while they're little, or else I am going to be toast. That was kind of my self-preservation as a mom thought. So I made that decision, and Dev and I made that decision, if we pick a battle, we're going to win it. Ugh. So challenging because sometimes you just pick the wrong battle and you wish you wouldn't have and you just want to give up. So Cooper David Mulder, my Captain Destructo, my one that dumps everything out of the containers. I remember really clearly he was not yet three. And I said, Cooper, you need to pick up that shirt for mama, pick it up and let's put it in the, in the, the chute, the laundry chute. No. Hey, Coop, I'm going to give you one more chance, honey. We need to pick that up and we need to put it in or else you're going to have to go to a chair. 
Cooper decided that day not to pick up the shirt for five and a half hours. And here's how it went. I said, Cooper, are you going to do what mommy asked? No. And then he's throwing a fit in the uh-oh chair. And I said, Cooper, if you keep throwing a fit, I'm going to have to close this door. And he kept throwing a fit. So I closed the door and I'm standing right outside of it, but I'm closing the door. It sounds like the bombing of, uh, you know, Hiroshima is going on in the room. It is just like crash bang. It's just ridiculous. And I said, Cooper, if you do not calm down, I'm trying to make sure he doesn't hurt himself. If you do not calm down, I'm going to have to lock the door. Now, how I lock the door is I just put a towel in the front. And he did, so I'm like, okay, well, this is a battle and I'm going to win it. And this is what this book said to do. So I closed the door and I waited. And the chair that I used for my bad chair that Ford sat in as his uh uh-oh chair was demolished. It was just a part. It was a pile of red kindling, red painted old 70s wood kindling for the fire (laughs) because Cooper had decided to break the chair. So I opened up the door and I said, Cooper, are you ready to do what mommy asked? No, and I'm not sitting in the uh-oh chair. So he sat on the steps of his bunk bed, which was fine. He was there. And I said, you will sit here until you can do what mommy asks. And I didn't have to close the door because he didn't get off of the steps, but he literally sat there in quiet defiance for another four hours. And I called Devin and I said, you've got to pray for me. I'm going to hurt him or something because he is not doing what I asked. When he finally gave in, and I sort of wish I hadn't picked this battle, but maybe it was important for him to know that I was going to win. I don't know at this point. And he picked up the shirt and put it down the chute and I won. And we were both exhausted and had a good night's sleep. In those fits... Cooper broke another uh-oh chair, the new one. He would only sit on the steps when it was uh-oh time, so I just made it the uh-oh steps for him. One time he threw such a fit, he fitted himself to sleep. It was really quiet in the room. I opened the door, and he had fallen asleep on the wood floor. And, you know, with Coop, I just had to spank him. And I don't usually spank my kids. I just don't. It's just not for me. I I just would rather give them other restrictions. But with Cooper, nothing was working one day. And I spanked him. I made sure I was calm. And I said, you're not, you know, honey, I'm going to have to spank you. And he actually, you know, hugged me and said, thanks, mommy, at the end. So I don't know. I don't know what the story is with my Cooper. I do know that in his little mind, he wanted a boundary, but he wanted his own way. And I'm glad that for whatever reason, I was able to hang in there a little bit, (laughs) but but I don't think I trust any uh uh-oh chairs around him anymore. My Tucker, my youngest child, my one that is 10-year-old, you know, I was completely outnumbered by the time he came around. And so a lot of this is a blur, but there was one when he, after he was born, I made probably my biggest oops as a mom. But with Tucker, um, this happened when he was very new. We had moved to Michigan October 1st. We had had him November 5th. And December 15th, we moved into our new house. 
So it was Christmas Eve in my new congregation, and we had decided to have Christmas Eve service. And Devin was there with the whole service set up, and I was just going to kind of come in right before the beginning of the service. We, I pull up to the church. I open the side of the van, and Devin says, where's Tucker? He's a little over a month old. He's supposed to be. I said, he's in the car seat right there. And the base of the car seat was there and my baby was not. So I freaked out like you do, right? I freaked out and I just, uh, I, I'm like, I ran him over. I heard him. I don't know what happened. And we rushed back to our house, which was five minutes away. And there he was on the side part of the garage, just in his car seat, sleeping, completely unscathed. But of course, this huge mistake, which could have been catastrophic, happened in front of my new congregation that was already pretty skeptical of us and pretty judgmental. And of course, that horrible mistake had to happen in front of all of them. And I was so humiliated and also just like, what's wrong with me that I can't even keep up with this this family that you gave me, Lord, like I am, I can't even do it. The point was not that I made a mistake. It's that I was going to put myself on the cross and crucify myself and say, you should not ever have had any problems at all. This is the situation that happens to us as moms. We put ourselves up on a pedestal and say, you will never make a mistake. And so we always fail. And this day, as you're listening to this, I just want you to know, yeah, we're going to fail. We're going to fail. It is not about how many times you mess up on this parenting journey because it is long. It is hard. It is never ending. It is hard hitting. Nothing will get you to cry harder, laugh longer, or scream louder than being a mom. It is just a struggle some days. But mistakes. I think a lot of times my biggest mistake is I expect my children to be able to rein in their emotions. I expect my kids to not have real feelings like, I don't want them to be sad about anything. So I will say, oh, don't be sad about that. Or, or I don't want them to get angry. So I'm like, well, don't get angry. Prayer is a matter of complete surrender to God completely. Like, Lord, help me in this moment. Because your children know your buttons. And they, they want their way. Your kids want their way. We're not, we don't come out of the womb precious. We're carnal. We want what we want. Please feed me right now. Little baby's crying. That we're carnal beings. And it's only that moment that we say to our children, I love you enough to take this stand to, to make sure that you know that there is a boundary here. I just wonder what I'm teaching them. So if I could boil it down. When your little two-year-old gets on the floor and you, because you said you need to pick up your blanket and they lay down and go, I'm so busy. And you just want to laugh. You are the most important. Your family, your parental influence is one of the most important influences in your kid's life. 
I'm now dealing with a 14 year old, a 12 year old and 11 and a 12 year old and a 10 year old. And they are talking to their friends. They have much more importance with their peer groups. Uh, they're listening to music. They're playing video games. There's a lot of influences at them. But still, Devin and I are the important influence. So you need to, to be aware of that influence and wear it lightly. You know, I, um, I have a 14-year-old, my Ford, who argues with me spectacularly. I hope he does go in to become a lawyer because he would be fantastic. Um, he wears me down sometimes with his talking, and I just want to give in, you know. <laughs> and um, there's no one that kind of gets my goat going more than Ford. I have three boys I love the most. Ford is the most like me, so we have the most conflict. One time when I was arguing with him about scheduling of his high school, which was freaking me out anyway, I got loud and yelled. I hate when I get loud and yell. It is my biggest thing I'm trying to change. It, it isn't often, but it does happen. And I got loud and yelled. And Ford goes, why are you yelling? I said, you're just not listening to me. You're just not listening to me. And as we're having that conversation, I'm realizing I'm not listening to him. He's not listening to me. I'm not listening to him. We're just yelling at each other. And so we were able to take a minute. But when I was correcting him at church on Sunday, I was very calm. I did not yell at all. And I was very calm. And I was like, thank you, Lord, for helping me be calm. Still in that moment, he said to me, Mom, you're being really mean. And I said, no, I'm being really calm. Like, I was so proud of myself for not yelling. I'm just telling you this is not okay, this behavior. And I'm really calm. And he goes, well, you're still being, ugh. And he was stormed off. So I was like, oh, okay. So basically what 14 means for me as a mom is I will be forever making a mistake. And in the, the course of this conversation I'm having with him, I said, Ford, you expect me to be perfect. I can't live up to that. And he just smiled at me. And he kind of, because he kind of knew in that moment, you're right, mom, I've been expecting perfection from you. And I just told him, listen, I can't do that. I wish I could tell myself that all the time. So the first thing that we do that we really make mistakes in is we expect our kids to rein it in, to simmer down, to be more adult than they should. A two-year-old should act like a two-year-old. A six-year-old should act like a six-year-old. And if you're somebody that doesn't know about kids, like you don't know, it's a good thing just to go learn. Um, a six-year-old should be acting differently than a two-year-old. So if your six-year-old is throwing temper tantrums with kicking legs on the floor, that's something that maybe you need to look at. Uh-oh, what happened here? You know what I mean? And um, and your 14-year-old should be probably snarky, so I'll work on accepting that, you know? Uh, we are people that have made the mistake sometimes of parenting up. So we expect Tucker, our youngest, to be older acting. You should be responsible. You should remember your book bag. Um, not that these are bad skills, but sometimes we expect him to be further along than he's ready to be yet. So in the same way, I shouldn't baby my 10-year-old to be five. You know, I mean, my I don't believe my 10-year-old boy should be sleeping in the bed with us. He's 10. He needs his own he needs his own space. He needs his own um, independence. And that's one thing that when we're trying to do this job, there's no one that is trying to mess up their kids, really. Now, there's people that live in abusive homes, and they have selfish parents, 
But I really don't believe when they give you that newborn baby that the thought is, let me see how much I can screw this child up. Let me see how much therapy this kid's going to need. All of us are trying to do our very best. And so as Christian moms, we have to learn what our expectations are for our kids. A lot of the times when we are feeling completely humiliated and shamed and making mistakes in discipline and all of that stuff, we are concerned about how our kids make us look. And that is just not a concern. Who cares what these kids make us look like? The question is, Jesus, how can you help me lead these children? That's our question. Not, oh, how do these kids make me look? You can't do this because it makes me look bad. We got to get rid of our egos. And I'm still on that journey continually of getting rid of my ego. The other thing that's very, very important when you're thinking about mistake is we all need to take care of ourselves. As a mama, please take care of yourself, whatever that means for you. If it's going out with a friend, if it's doing something um, just completely in the car by yourself, if it's going on a date with your partner, we have got to take care of ourselves. Because the moment that we say to ourselves, well, all I am is the servant of these children, is the moment that we diminish who we are as a person who is called by Christ. See, we're all called, and God has not called you to be the appendage to other people, to pour yourself out so completely that you have no you left. And just like you can't do it by yourself, you need the Lord, you also have to put yourself into this equation. Do whatever you have to do, because the children that you are called to mom, the children that God has entrusted into your care, don't need a tired haggard person that is so spent they have nothing left to give. We luxuriate in our own importance to the detriment of who God has called us to be. We put ourselves on the altar that's named motherhood in order to make ourselves more important. Look at all that I've given up. Look at all that I've sacrificed. What if being a mom is about making every mistake, looking to God for growth, and realizing that part of the thing is saying, kids, I messed up here. Boys, I yelled too much today. I just want to say I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? When James, in the book of James, as he's instructing the early church, in chapter 4, verse 6 through 10, James talks about kind of how we should live together. Hear these words starting at James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up.
I'm so thrilled that through every time that I have picked a battle I shouldn't have, where I've yelled when I shouldn't have, where I hadn't heard my voice, where I've been distracted or busy or just not taking care of myself enough so that I could be the mom I need to be, every moment there's been a chance for me to place myself at the feet of God and say, okay, okay, lift me up, God, because I need your help, you know? I hope that your mistakes are not as numerous as mine. I hope that you have not left your baby in a garage. (laughs) But when you have done the inevitable, lost your kid at the mall or left your kid at church or said something you shouldn't have said, just remember that when we go to kids and we say, please forgive me, we're giving them the chance to experience the grace of God. And the most important thing to do when we've messed up is to give God the opportunity to forgive us and let us forgive ourselves with the grace of God that is overflowing, never ending, that never stops. You see, every time you mess up as a mom, every moment of mess up is a chance for you to get get over yourself and humble yourself before the Lord. He will lift you up and he will take you where he needs you to go. Oh, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you join me next week. Next week on the Authentic Mama podcast, Samantha Cutler and I talk about the danger of comparing ourselves to other moms. It's a wonderful conversation, and I'm so grateful for her. Sam Cutler is in charge of the Inspired Mama Conference, and she's also a mom of four. And I just appreciate if you could join me here next Thursday for that new episode where I get to interview one of my friends as we talk about comparison. And as you go throughout your day, let me give you this blessing. May you look at your children and see the beauty of the Lord in them, but also remember when you look in the mirror that God is creating in you new growth, new life, and a new day where his mercies are new. Humble yourselves and God will lift you up.